You know, one of the main reasons why I wanted to start the Investing for Freedom podcast is because I found myself like having all these amazing conversations with people that I've met over the years and um, people that are just mentoring me and, and pouring wisdom into my life. And I really wanted to create a platform where I could just share that and inspire people out there um, to just dream and do more and surround themselves with people that are um, just doing crazy things out there in the world. And so today's guest is no exception. Um, Ken McElroy has been a mentor to me. He's one of the most brilliant, smartest guys in multifamily investing and crazy enough, like not just multifamily investing, you can get into a conversation with Ken about so many areas and facets of life. And it's actually really cool. We get into a lot of that on this show. So um, Ken shares his background on getting started in real estate, um, which he's since scaled into a billion dollar company called um, MC Companies, which is crazy. Um, Ken talks about how making an impact and having a great relationship with his sons is so important. He realized that money's nice to have, but relationships are everything at the end of the day. We talk about how he met Robert Kiyosaki and how they became close friends and the impact that Robert's had on him. You can see just when you're talking to Ken, how much growth and, and wisdom and experience that Kiyosaki's also poured into his life. And that's pretty cool. By the way, Robert Kiyosaki invests a lot of his money with Ken McElroy. So that probably says quite a bit, you know, when you're out there hearing Robert Kiyosaki talk about investing in apartment complexes and real estate and everything that they do with it. Um, a lot of that is money that's invested with Ken and MC companies. So you're going to just get a ton out of him today. So we talk about one of his first partnerships that was super successful, but blew up and put Ken in a place where his partners were buying jets, but he was buying a laptop. And um, we learned a lot about verbal agreements and, and he did as well, greed partnerships, all that through that time. So Kenny shares his number one message, which is always the conversation around cash flow. I mean, if we're not cash flowing, then what's the purpose? We talk about the importance of not trying to do everything yourself, but building teams who are great at what they do. And this is one of the reasons why I just love Kenny so much. Like you just go to MC companies, meet anyone on his team. They're just so full of energy and just the culture and the passion that's there. It just shines through in everything that Kenny does. And he also shares the process that he followed of having his company ranked at the top of the state for um, employers and having the governor call him for advice and more. Um, Kenny's just an amazing person at networking, creating deep, real, authentic relationships. And then finally, we go into detail about why he thinks raising capital is easy. And it's not really about sales. It's about relationships. So I'm really excited to bring you guys this show today and one of my mentors, um, Ken McElroy. So let's just dive into this. Are you looking for freedom? Freedom from the daily grind and hustle? Or just finding a way to live the life you always wanted? Then join us on the Investing for Freedom podcast. Our host, Mike Ayala, will help you discover new ways to find freedom with tips, insights, and interviews. You'll learn the exact systems he's used to travel the world and live his best life. True success and happiness are all about freedom. And here's your roadmap on how to find freedom on your own terms. Welcome to the Investing for Freedom podcast. Here's your host, Mike Ayala. I can't thank you enough, Kenny, for uh, being here with us today. Hey, so it's awesome, man. Thank you. Yeah, it's thanks been for been fun watching you guys. You guys are on fire. Oh, I appreciate appreciate that, man. It's like it's it's awesome. Um, you're 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 a good uh, model to look up to. So I appreciate that. Um, Kenny, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna take a lot of time. I want to just dive right in. So, um, tell our listeners uh, how'd you get started in real estate? Well, probably like a lot of people. So my parents, um, you know, both neither of them. Uh, graduated from high school. Wow. So started off very humbly, you know, got to college, lucky, uh, you know, with a athletic scholarship. And that was really the first time I was like, wow, like, you know, you can do a lot with yourself with a little yeah. bit of education. Cause at that point, you know, 
I was bumbling through high school and uh, really, honestly, no direction, really. My, um, and um, I don't want to minimize the, uh, the impact my parents had, but they were limited in their belief system, too. So, you know, as you know, you, you're a product of your environment. And, and I was and, and, you know, everything was we can't afford it. We can't afford it. We can't afford it. And et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So a lot of people grow up like that. And so for me, it's just been constant personal development from the beginning. And, and I ended up buying my first two bedroom, two bath it was $160,000 used my own money, the, the money that I had saved. And, um, I was cash flowing like a hundred dollars a month. That was my first real estate investment. Wow. And up to that point, Mike, I got to tell you, like, I didn't really understand financial, you know, um, c- capability that things that you could do and invest in and things like that. I was handing my money over to a financial planner, wealth manager, all that kind of stuff. I mean, not a lot. Yeah. But and I was like, I remember one time I, I was like 10 years later. I, I, now you can imagine my first two grand I made out of college. I gave this guy 10 years later. I think it was about two grand. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I was like, okay, like something, you know, this is not what he told me it was going to be. You right, know, how they right. give you that whole, it compounds and makes yeah. money over time. It didn't. And so that's when I started digging into fees and what it was invested in. Up to that point, I was just thought, I'm going to work my butt off and then give somebody my money. And then I'm like, okay, no more of that. I'm going to, I'm going to invest on my own. And that's how I started. And then I, of course, just never stopped. And now we've got 300 employees, a billion dollars worth of real estate and, you know, a whole company that, you know, just organically, we grew from nothing all through the principles that you and I both learn and, and teach. Yeah. And, and as I said in the intro, what I, what I love about spending time with you, Kenny, um, you're, you're the most unassuming guy that I've ever met. You have 300 employees. You've got all these um, assets under management yet at the end of the day, like you're, you've got such a passion for life. Um, So I I really appreciate that about you. So what, what, what gets you up every morning? Like what, what keeps you going? Oh, right now it changes, but uh, for, for right now it's um, making my, uh, my boys uh, the the best they can be. That's it. So, uh, I mean, obviously you know what I mean? So that's just on my mind now because they're yeah. in college uh, and it's always on your mind, right? You, you, you know, you want them to be um, producers, yep. not necessarily just consumers, right? Right, right? And producers for the greater good. So it's changed over time. I, I you know, I'll be honest in my twenties, I was you know, just trying to make a buck, yeah. trying to pay my bills and, you know, trying to buy a house, you know, and then, then in your thirties, you know, I was trying to you know start my first business and, and, and doing that. But then, and then it turns to relationships, you know, like everything, right? It's just, you start to realize that, you know, money is really nothing. I mean, it's, it's nice to have, uh, don't get me wrong. It's necessary, but it's necessary, but relationships at the end of the day are everything in my opinion. Yeah. I'm going to come back to your boys here in a minute because we were together at one point in time, but I want to circle back. So let me ask you a couple questions that I ask every guest. So who's had the greatest impact on your life? Gosh, I don't know one person, but a lot of people. So I have a tendency to gravitate to like people um, that are doing really well in an area that I'm aware of or focused on at the moment. And there's been many. So in the early in the early days, it was it, it would have been some of the business owners that I worked for. But before that, it might be some teachers, you know, that I had at at university or even my wrestling coach in college. I, you know, he was a, uh, I, I think everyone is just a, you know, uh, a little bit here and there. And when I, when I first started having a family, I started meeting with a guy every month 
for 10 years and he had five kids and all five wanted to hang out with him all the time. You know what I mean? And they were all in their twenties and thirties. And I said, Charlie, like, you know, how is it that, you know, like, like all five fly to you? Like, you know what I mean? And it's a series, it's a thousand things. Right. Yeah. And so I said, I want a relationship like that with my kids. And so it always is changing, you know, sometimes Robert Kiyosaki in a lot of ways, you know, uh, as you know, I've been friends with him for 20 years, Mark Victor Hansen, you know, you kind of bump around and meet some of these guys and you start to see really what they're all, what they're all about and who they are. Uh, and their character. Yeah. And so sometimes you meet somebody that's really famous and they don't have the character and you're like, okay, they're out. You know what I mean? I don't care anything about how famous they are. It's just, uh, so it just kind of boils down to that. And I just try to glean a little bit off of each one. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Okay. So number two, if you could narrow it down to one thing that has had the greatest impact on your success, what would it be? What's your superpower? Mm. Well, Probably I would say awareness. Yeah. I know that's an interesting one. Um, But I think what happens a lot of times, especially when I was young, you know how sometimes when people are talking that you're thinking about what you're going to say instead of listening to them. Yeah. Once I learned not to, And really, you know, because what happens is you, whether you're in a sales situation or negotiation situation or sitting down with your 15 year old kid, Mm -hmm. listening and being aware of where they're coming from is the most important thing. In my opinion, being present at that very moment, I, I'm not trying to be all spiritual, but I'm letting you know, like, I remember my son, you know, when you, you know, I sat down with him and I was trying to manage him, you know, or deal with him. And we weren't connecting, man. Like, you know, I'm sure many, many parents have been through this. And then once I just settled my mind down and then tried to really hear him and listen to him, we started to click. And it was, I just was trying to meet him where he was. And I've seen it in my meetings. Like we had a, I I was selling a bunch of projects and we had um, this massive brokerage team come in from New York and they flew in they all sat down. And I said to the guy, I go, Hey, you could tell he wasn't present. I said, Hey, Tyler, what, what's up? You know, what's, what's going on with you? This is called processing. Right. And, um, he's like, Oh, I just hung up on the phone and you know, I, something's going on, you know, with my, with my family. And, and I says, okay, well, let's just hold the meeting up. And, you know, why don't you go handle that right now? And so he we went and handled it, came back in and he was present. Yeah. And we had an amazing meeting, but he would have been not present the whole meeting. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah. So people have life coming at them all the time. And it it takes, I think it's my responsibility to find out if they're present, not present. And, and if they're not, that's okay. Yeah. I'm not trying to change them, fix them, anything. I'm just trying to meet them where they're at. And sometimes they're not even aware. That's probably it. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, So number three, what was your greatest setback and what'd you learn from it? Oh man, I had a lot. (laughs) Gosh, well, uh, I had a partnership that um, was super successful, um, big name company, two other partners, handshake, handshake. Yeah, yeah, let's do this. Let's do that. You know, some kind of loose writing, but not even the legal agreements weren't that tight. You know what I mean? And we started blowing it up, making a ton of money. And um, right before we started making a lot, like this is 15 years ago, maybe more. Um, we had a 
big partnership blow up and I left and I had a third and I was scrambling, you know, for all the pieces that were, you know what I mean? So honestly, I was young, a younger and I was, um, you know, they bought jets and, you know, I bought a laptop. (laughs) True story. So, but it's okay. Mm -hmm. You know, I learned a lot. I did. I learned a lot. I learned a lot about verbal agreements. I learned a lot about the, you know, at the end of the day, um, I learned a lot about greed. I learned a lot about relationships. I learned a lot about a lot. Mm -hmm. And, um, it was the best thing that ever, ever, um, could have happened. That's awesome. Yeah. I saw you, this isn't one of the questions, but I saw you do a presentation on partnerships. You should try to get your hands. Oh yeah. I know. I just, I drafted that uh, on the way down to Miami. I like it. Yeah. Uh, So number four, what is the piece of advice you find yourself sharing the most? Well, I think when, if it comes to business or investing or real estate, it's cash flow. So I remember uh, I'm involved in a a group called YPO and uh, also EO entrepreneurs organization. And I remember uh, connecting with a buddy of mine who eventually became my partner he was a lot more seasoned than I was. You know, he had taken a company public and he had won Entrepreneur of the Year for the country of Canada. Uh, he was a very, very big personality and very, very experienced. And he said to me once, he said, follow the cash, follow the cash. And even then I didn't do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I was like, you know, I couldn't quite wrap my head around. His name was Phil Carroll. And, um, and then I got it. You know what I mean? And what happens a lot of times as you're moving forward is you're caught up in all the peripheral things and all the details. It's all important, you know, and sometimes you don't actually follow the actual most important thing, which is how are you going to pay for all this? You know what I mean? So I do it on my apartments. I do it on my businesses. I do it on my personal life. I do it almost on everything I do now. Uh, you know, I just want to make sure that that's always sound and that I'm not chasing something or, you know, what eventually isn't going to pay off or, you know, because I mean? you spend yeah. a lot of time, uh, you know, uh, you, we see it all the time. I see it in businesses where, you know, like I had a buddy that had a printing company in Phoenix and I'm like, his name was Mike. I go, Mike, like you're done, man. Like in 10 years, like you're going to be obsolete. He's like, no, I'm not. He just went and bought $300,000 worth of printing equipment. He was doing brochures and all that crap. I go, dude, it's all going online. No, I'm, you know what I mean? I'm holding the line. I'm holding the line. I'm like, okay, sure enough. You know what I mean? The thing's worth nothing now, you know? So, so just following, following the cash, I think is the most important thing. That's awesome. Thanks. Okay. So I want to circle back to, um, you, you, you talked about your sons. Yeah. Um, I was, I, we were, we had a small group of friends together a couple of years ago. Um, we were doing a small mastermind and you had brought up, um, you started talking about how you had bought your place in Idaho and you bought a, a, a resort in Sedona and I'm listening to all this. I'm gathering this. And, and the thing that you said, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but basically you said that you were looking at your legacy and you wanted a place that no matter what those, those kids would want to come back and spend time with you. Can you yeah. Can you dig into that for me? Cause that was just sure. such a pivotal moment for Kara and I. Yeah. Well, I think everybody operates in the short term, you know, like with, with real estate, I don't, I know you do, but I always look at the, the end, like the beginning and the end, the exit or whatever you want to call it, the, you know, the long game, I'm always playing the long game. Mm-hmm. So even with my relationships with my, like I have on my goals, meet with my mom six times. 
you know, in, in 2020, like it's a goal, meet with my brother, go do this, right. You know, meet with my sister, uh, you know, you know what I mean? So I I have it that specific. And so I'm always, um, you know, I'm working that long game. And so where I was heading with all of that is, you know, again, this is back from one of my mentors. He's like, you have to have a place that is free that your family wants to come to. Yeah. And that's, that's also healthy. You can have a place, but if it's not healthy while they're there, you know, they're not going to show up. Yeah. So it has to be that place. Right. And so it doesn't necessarily have to be in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho or Sedona or whatever. But, um, but, uh, he said, my kids, as they got married, had grandkids, they had jobs, they didn't have jobs, whatever. He goes, they never, his was Telluride. They never, ever missed those two weeks in Telluride because I flew them up and everything. And so, you know, I'm starting to see that now as my kids start to have girlfriends and they're off of college and they're, you know, having internships and stuff like that. I'm seeing them less and less, yeah. you know, even my older son, you know, he, he, um, he literally had an internship all summer. You know, he, he came up uh, and spent time at my house in Coraline for 10 days. That was it, you mm-hmm. know, and I'm used to having him for like three months. Yeah. So I started to look at, I remember going to one speaker. He said, he goes, how old are your kids? And at the time, I can say 12 and 13 or something. And he said, how many summers do you have left? Ooh. And I was like, Ooh, yeah. I'm like, like five, six. That was it. Wow. Right. You know what I mean? So yeah. I really put it in perspective. So that was a, it was a combination of that. Plus that other on getting this place, uh, you know, having a kind of a spot, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's working because Every year, my kids, you know, they fly in their girlfriends and their friends. And you know what I mean? Yep. My house is a wreck, man. Like, <laughs> it's just annihilated. You know, the pantries, the, the food, and you know what I mean? The place yeah. is a mess. I love it. Yeah. And, um, you know, so uh, for me, it's just having them around. You know what I mean? And uh, it's a big, big, big important thing, but it's a long game for me. I want to have a relationship with my kids. I already know where I am financially. I know where I'm going to go. Maybe not completely, but pretty close. And so the rest is all, that's all just, you know, not that important. Uh, What's important is my relationship with them. Um, I'm not going to go into the whole formula right now, but, you know, one of the key things that I'm always looking at is, you know, what do you really want? Why do you want it? How long from the time you started processing that? I've got five summers left. Um, Did you just immediately know? Immediate. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, that would hit me hard. I remember, I remember the guy's name was Joel Weldon. He's a big speaker. He, you know, he'd won like Toastmasters best speaker of the year. And, you know, he's very, very good guy. And I remember listening to him and he's like, how many summers do you have left? I remember I was like, oh, geez, I have five. I have five left with my oldest son. And so that's it. You know, so that's when I started booking Kilimanjaro. You know, I took both kids to the summit of Kilimanjaro. Uh, you know, and, and I started doing these trips, you know, Machu Picchu and stuff like that with them and started taking them around the world more and, 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 and working less, you know, that was it. I, that's when I stopped working in the summer, you know, as you know, I moved to Coeur d'Alene at the end of May. I don't work while I'm up there June, July, August. And I spend the time with them hmm. and it's work, you know, I'm out wakeboarding with them. I'm out on the boat. I'm out on the jet skis, you know, we're playing golf or hiking or, go- you know, we're just. Yep. together. Yeah. And, um, you know, when they're gone, they're gone. They're in college. I don't see them. Yeah. You know, so you're a mentor, um, to so many of us. How, how's that 
like looking at that relationship with your sons? Um, do you just look at it the same? <laughs> oh, they don't listen, man. Like, <laughs> I mean, I like everybody, right? I don't know. Like I was laughing at this the other day. My buddy's like, you know, do you listen to your parents? I go, no. Like, yeah, you know, who yeah, does? Yeah. Really? You know, right. let's just be honest. So, you know, but um, I've no, you know, like I'll, I'll tell you a funny story. Um, our governor, Doug Ducey, texts me and he's like, hey, would you be willing to meet with Joe, his son, who's a junior uh, issue? I'm like, of course. So Joe came in like, I don't know, two weeks ago. And he's like, thanks, man. Like, you know, our kids don't listen to us, right? He's the governor. Yeah, you yeah, know what I mean? It's yep. just is what it is. Yeah. So, so that's what I've done is I've gotten my friends around my kids. Mm -hmm. uh, they listen, you know what I mean? Yep. And they're, the other thing is be careful who you're hanging out with. Yeah. As you know, that's massively important. So like if your son was hanging with me, you know, yeah. it would be awesome. Awesome. Right. Yeah. And I would treat him like my own and yep. I would only fill him with good stuff. Doug blew up my phone for two days afterwards. He's like, oh my God, Joe's on fire. Yeah. You know, after he left here. And that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. I just, uh, you know, they do listen to me, I think. And maybe at some point in their twenties, maybe yeah. they'll start to come around, but I just assume they don't. And then I just put them around uh, my friends and family that I trust and I know are just going to drop good things in their head. Man, I don't want to brush over something that you just said. And um, I, somebody shared this with me a while back too, but that's a great way to take inventory in the friends that you have in your life too. Would you want them speaking into your kids' lives? I'm telling so you that a, I don't want to brush over that. That's huge. I think it's a big deal. You know, Jim Rohn says, right. Mm -hmm. You are your, you are the five closest people that you hang out with. Right. Wow. And, um, and I, I gotta tell you, you know, I've, I've leveraged my YPO friends, my, you know, and, and all my other friends, to a great degree that way, yeah. you know, I'm saying, Hey, and I've had my buddies call me up, not just Doug say, Hey, can my son do an internship here at MC companies? And, and I'm like, of course, you know what I mean? Yep. So it's all part of the bigger game. Everybody's playing, you know, and, and I think you just got to recognize that the truth is, is most, you know, your kids don't really think you know anything. Right. <laughs> you know? It's, so it's okay yeah. though. Yeah. That's awesome. You know? Um, okay. I appreciate your time on that and, yeah. and getting behind the curtain on the, the family. Cause sometimes that's off limits. So I appreciate nope. you always being open. Um, Robert Kiyosaki, yeah. you, you brought this up like friend, mentor, you've done business with him forever. Um, how's, how's that shaped? How's that shaped your thinking? Oh, a ton. Yeah. For, he's a wild man too. You know, he's super volatile. He's an ex-marine, you know, like you never know what you got with him, but I love it because he always tells the truth. He's, he's characters credible. Like he's got, but he studies, he's one of the smartest people I know. I mean, he's always reading three or four books. He devoured, he probably reads 40, 50 books a year. All we do is text books. I just saw him. I was just with him the last two days. I, well, I walked away with three more books. You know what I mean? Wow. That he gave me and, and you know, they're at my house and I started reading them. Uh, we're just con That's all we do. We send each other links and videos and you know, there's a lot of banter back and forth there too. Um, you know, when I met him, Rich Dad, Poor Dad wasn't a big deal. You know, we, I met him right when it came out and I was just looking for investors. And so we've become really, really close and really, really good friends. And he invests most of his money with me, as you know. And, um, you know, but we have, I have 400 investors, you know, mm -hmm. Robert's the one I'm the closest with because he's here. Um, and, um, I see him a lot, but he's, uh, he's really taught me how, well, one, one, he realized before I did that, um, 
I would be a good teacher. Mm. He actually said it to me. He's like, you're a teacher. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm a real estate guy. I'm yeah. raising money. And blah, blah, blah. like, trust me, you know, you need to teach. And so that's why I went online with him. That's why I speak around the world with him. That's why I've written the books. You know, I donate all that money to charity, all the book revenues. Wow. So all that, you know, it's just all part of the, it's helped me on the philanthropy part, you know? So that's how I look at it now. Any rich dad time I spend all goes to charity. That's awesome. That's so cool. So you had brought up earlier that one of the things that you find over and over is cash flow, the cash flow conversation. Yeah. Um, I, I remember sitting across from Robert Kiyosaki at dinner um, on the real estate guys cruise and I was having a conversation and I'm like, it's so simple. And he was like, it's not simple. And I, it, it like took me, it, it set me back a little bit. And I didn't mean that like the whole con it's not easy. Oh, you, trust me. If you would have said it's not simple, he would go, it's simple. Yeah. <laughs> he just takes a contrarian view on most stuff. I so how do you have to worry about that. Get your attention. Oh my God. Yeah. 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 I, I laugh. I was like, Robert, Robert Toby. He's like, I remember he did it on Wolf Blitzer, you know, with Lehman brothers. He's like, you know, Oh yeah. I just said Lehman's going down. I'm like, yeah, I know. I saw that. I was pretty incredible, you know, cause it did. He's like, yeah. He goes, you just take a, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But he does it with study. So yeah. you could take either position. Sure. It is simple or it isn't simple. Yeah. So on the cash flow conversation, which again, is probably one of my favorite books, the cash flow quadrant. But you know, you said that's something that you find yourself over and over. Yeah. It's had a major impact on your life. I've noticed that when you guys are teaching, you're constantly coming back to the same principles. And that's why I brought up the the simple yeah. conversation mm -hmm. because what I realized through that conversation with him is it's not it's not simple to grasp. It takes repetition and it's over and over and over. That is true. So why do you guys, why, why do you constantly come back to the same principles? Well, you know, there's, I think one of the things that he helped me with was, you know, as you're going and cranking along and you're, you know, I've got, I'm building my property management company and I'm buying stuff, I'm building stuff, I'm developing stuff, you know, you, you know, he has the ability to, and even in the Steve, Steve Jobs book says this too, you know, the ability to take the complex and make it simple, like, mm. like he did with the iPod. That's the best example. It's actually in his book. He talks about Buckminster Fuller and, mm -hmm. you know, all the, all those things and the generalized principles and come making it all come back to something really simple. So People, when they hear a word, like if I'm at church or I'm at a conference or something and somebody says a, a, a word like capitalization rate, and I don't understand it. I check, you check out, mm -hmm. you just do, yep. you immediately check out when you're like, oh, I'm, you know, the internal voice is going, oh, I'm not very smart. I'm this, I'm that, that, you know, yep. you know, it just is what it is. So the more you use buzzwords, even though you can, and so I do, depending on who I'm talking to, like, right. like tomorrow I'm flying to Laguna beach. I'm in a uh, private equity conference. Everyone there raises money, hundred, 200, 300, $400 million mm -hmm. funds. Right. Yep. Okay. It'll be a lot different. Right. Then I'm like, bop, 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 right. But when I'm talking to somebody, you know, at a, like say at a rich dad conference, income expense, NOI, you know what I mean? Yep. So, and the same thing with my kids, you know, you know what I mean? Yep. And that, I actually think that's one of the bigger problems with school is they don't meet people where they're at. That's a good point. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so that's what it is. We always try to take, you know, we can talk about ROI and GRM and NOI and, you know, like LOI. Like it doesn't right. really, you know, like we, we throw all this stuff out yep. and people don't understand it. So you just got to bring it all back to them. And I think keep is as basic as you can. And then 
you know, grow from there. Such a good point. Um, so one of the things that I've really noticed, um, watching you, uh, you're, you're always pointing back to your team. So investing is a team sport, whether it's your attorneys, accountants, CPAs, or your internal team. Can you, can you kind of just tell me your philosophy on surrounding yourself with the best? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think what happens is, you know, you know, that, that cash flow quadrant you mentioned at ESBI, you know, like E is employee, B is business, you know, uh, or S is, you know, self-employed and B is business and I is investment. I think what happens is, and I've seen this a lot, especially with guys I hang out with or maybe went to college with, you know, let's say like I have a couple friends that are doctors and dentists, let's say. In fact, I, I can think of one, you know, whatever he can do that day is all he can do. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like yep. he can only have so many appointments in a day, period. Right. Yep. And so your capacity to do whatever it is you can do, whether you're a CPA, whether you're a lawyer, whatever, a real estate agent, doesn't really matter. An insurance yep. agent, you only have so much time in the day if you believe that everything has to go through you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. And so I see this, you know, and so I know some very successful people that are working 60, 70, 80 hours a week and they're making pretty good money. They're going crazy, but they don't, they don't believe in other people. They don't delegate, you know what I mean? And they have no team. It's all them. And um, usually it's an ego issue, but regardless, another, that's another, that's another topic. Um, but what I found is that I don't want to be responsible for anything. So I want to make all the money but I don't want to have to do anything. No, I can't. So, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and in the meantime, you know, um, it could spread the money around and let everybody participate in it. Um, everybody gets to learn, you know, people like you met my marketing team before yeah. here, right? It's awesome. Yeah. Like, right. So we got six people in there. All they do. I could not sit in there and do what they do. Right. I don't even know how, but I know what I need. You know what I mean? And, and so you bring these folks in, I just blow me away. Honestly, yeah. they're so smart, so bright, they're articulate. They come in with all this experience. If you let it happen, you know, mm -hmm. like, so I find like a lot of times if a, if an organization is super controlled and top down, you know, like the spider in the starfish book, yep. you know, like control center, you know, this is what you're going to do everything. Then there's not a lot of collaboration, but if you do it more like a starfish model, you know, where everybody's got a hand in, the overall direction. Yep. Um, then like as a starfish, you get one, one of those legs or tentacles cut off. It grows right back. You know what I mean? It yep. doesn't affect the, you know, the whole thing. So I just, and, and, you know, you hit a wall pretty easily and pretty quickly if you try to do everything yourself. And uh, I, I believe in empowerment and, and I also, it's fun. It's more fun to learn, you know, keep an open mind. So I've watched you, whether it's employees, whether it's friends, relationships, clients, um, your, your energy level uh, <laughs> is like 99 always. Is that something that you had to work at? Um, even slow, even back to the employees or whatever, like, is that something that just comes natural to you or did you have to learn that and do you have to work at it? Well, it's a good question. I'm always aware of it. So I mean, even in the mornings, like sometimes, you know how you get up sometimes you're like, oh my God, like, you know, all your self-talk. Yep. I think it's all part of it. Um, you know, I don't want to go to the gym. Right. Yeah. You know, uh, oh my God, I gotta, I gotta leave and I, I want, I gotta be here and then here and then here, and then I gotta make here. And 
isn't my life stressed out. (laughs) Right. So I just come back from that and I'm like, okay, like relax. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. it's going to be okay. And that actually, you know, once I kind of put things in perspective and what, what is important um, is, you know, a lot of times what I found is that people, they make things important that are not important, Mm. you know? So um, this weekend I went to a charity event and the woman lost her, her nine-year-old daughter and her husband within a year. Wow. That's important. Yeah. Right. That's crazy. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Like, like, you know what I mean? You yep. guys like Bring it down. you go uh, like when I went to Africa or I go, you know, travel abroad and you start to see people that are really in need, you realize, you know, what's important. Right. Yep. So now I'm not saying, I'm, you know, certain things aren't important. I'm not, but what I'm saying is, you know, so once you kind of filter through that, and realize that, you know, it's really a lot of it's self-talk and little, your little voice and little voice management. Yep. Um, and honestly, it just raises my energy. You know yep. what I mean? Because yep. I, don't, I don't really have much weighing me down, yep. you know, stress-wise, yep. right? Yeah. There's just a few things on my mind at all time that I feel like uh, are worth maybe some stress. Yeah. You know, but not yep. very many. Yeah. You, know? you guys are constantly ranked in the top employers in Arizona. I mean, you said earlier, the governor calls you for advice. And yeah. Is it just, I mean, is that all intentional? Do, I mean, do you go out? No, you just, you're just a good guy. You just show no, up. No, no. Actually, I'll tell you exactly what I did. I followed the rich dad principle. I knew there was a process here that we could. I did. Out. Uh, we, we started doing book studies for our employees like 10 years ago. Okay. So I started doing book studies with Robert. So you basically take a book and you study it. Um, in fact, before Doug was president, we did um, Good to Great with Robert at Robert's house. You know, I brought him over there because uh, Doug started Cold Stone Creamery um, and founded it. And, um, you know, before he sold it and, and you know, and went into politics. Um, and I've been doing these book studies forever. And I found that when you study something that is everybody's on the same page on mm-hmm. literally, yep. you know, there's no opinion. Like okay. what does the author say here? You know what I mean? It's, yep. it's not the debate. It's not this, it's not, but everybody's on one page. So we started doing that in the early days. We used to have the normal meetings, you know, here's our NOI, here's this, here's that, you know, uh, here's where we're going to grow. Here's what we're going to do next. And they're sitting there going really like, yeah. okay, flew halfway across the country to sit for this. And then we started doing book studies, just tried it. And I facilitated the first few and uh, it was, it was life changing for me and for a lot of people. And so our employees started realizing that this company was more about developing me as a person and not as much about the numbers. And I always start off by saying, you guys know your numbers. You guys know what's right and wrong. I'm not going to, we're not going to talk about that today. That's awesome. We're just going to get into you know, um, communication things and, you know, and things like that, you know? And so we, we pick all kinds of books. Like we, we picked one called the habit loop, you know, which is a great book. Well, how do you, why is it you get into habits and then we have fun with it, you you know, and, and another one's on communication and, you know, and another one's on relationships and, you you know, there's, um, one, one was called, um, um, the happiness advantage and, you know, like, you know, where the guy, literally this, this guy had gone to Harvard, right. And he's from Texas and he's like, got lucky. He got, it was like a draw. It wasn't his grades. He went there and he's like, Oh my God, I'm at Harvard. Yeah. And he's like, 
2,000 of these kids were there. And he's like, nine, not, you know, uh, 1,950 of them were like, oh my God, I'm at Harvard. Like my dad went to Harvard. I have all this pressure. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so the whole book is, as an example, you know, your mindset, you yeah. know, like yeah. one, one sees it as a burden, one sees it as an opportunity. And so that's where we stay. We're just at personal development, personal development, personal development. And so all of that has developed into better relationships with our um, vendors. Uh, and they give us a bunch of money for philanthropy, better relationships with my friends, better relationships with my kids, better relationship with my employees. You know what I mean? So you're just showing up, adding value. I mean, I always say in order to live more, you've got to give more. Um, so it just sounds like you're just constantly looking where you can add value and just help people grow. Yeah, that's it. And, and uh, you know, I, I, some people leave us and then they come back and some people leave us and don't come back. That's okay. Yeah, totally. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. it is what it is. And, and But we do have very low turnover and we continue to be, you know, the people that work here, they know that I value them. Over anything else, right? That, that makes a ton of sense. Yeah. You, you said earlier, um, I want to make sure that I get awareness. Is that the same as just being present? It's yes. Um, so th that was actually going to be one of my questions. Cause I know like every, every time I've ever been with you, I mean, you're a busy guy, but if it's a two or three hour dinner, you're there, you're present. Did you have to work on that? Oh my God. Yeah. I, I've got the worst ADD ever. Like I, I find myself drifting all the time. Can you give us some tips on how you work through that? Well, the way, the way you're supposed to do it is actually watch yourself. That's it. That's actually it. Watch yourself. So in other words, um, like in this conversation right now, instead of me having a conversation with you, I watch it. Okay. So I'm a third person yep. looking, you know what I mean? And that makes me aware. Just that simple. I mean, there's a lot to it. I, you know, I, there's a bunch of books. One of the best books is um, called Awareness by Anthony, Anthony DeMello. Um, I love that book. You know, uh, you know, I study that book and I've read it a number of times. It's one of the Rich Dad books. But one of the things he says in there, well, he says a lot, but is um, everybody happy? Everybody's happy. They're born happy. Think about it. Our kids when they're little, they're happy. Yeah. But then we de-happy them. <laughs> you know, things, right? Yeah. Things, shocks, whatever. Yep. Things we say to them. Things a teacher says to them. Things a coach says to them. Things they go through that you're there or not there. Whatever. All of a sudden, they get closed down. You know what I mean? But when they're little, they're super happy. And so there are things that you know. Once you start to be aware of. Um, they're there, you know, like, like I, I look at the ripple effects, Buck, Buckminster Fuller calls it procession, you know, which is when you drop a pebble in the water, the rings that go out, that's mm -hmm. called a processional effect. So, you know, if I say something to my son across the table, it might just be a knife in his heart, mm -hmm. right. Or it could be a big hug. Yep. Just my words. And that could go, that could resonate with him forever. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So good. So it's all, it's all of that combined. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so when I, when I think of the awareness piece, I think that's what I think of. So I'm going to um, bring us together. Cause I think we could probably talk for hours. I just appreciate your knowledge and insight. So um, for, for our listeners who 
want to invest in capital, what piece of advice or want to raise capital, what piece of advice would you give them? Want to raise capital. Raise capital. So I actually think raising capital is easy. I, I really do. Yeah. I, I don't think it's hard. I think that, I think, you know, a lot of people think it's sales. It's not. It's not sales at all. And if it becomes a sales job, then that's a problem. So in my opinion, the way you should be raising capital is by showing how thorough you are in a deal that you select and when they get their money back, you know, and have all the steps on exactly how that's going to work. In other words, before I buy something, I already know when I'm going to exit it. I already know. I know exactly when I'm getting my money back. Now, it doesn't always work, but I, I have worked a plan out to when if I'm going to invest 10 million bucks, my goal is to get it out, you know, in three and a half years or whatever. Right. And then I work the plan. So a lot of times equity raising is that way mm. is showing the investor. Here's your return. Here's what's going to happen. Year one, year two, year three, and here's our plan. Right. Makes you accountable and responsible. You have to go through it. But then all of a sudden the raising of the money becomes about the knowledge and the experience and the education of the deal itself. And I think a lot of times people believe that it's a sales job. Hmm. Um, and I'm not saying that it, it isn't a little bit, you, you know what I mean? It's a process. But it always goes back to the deal itself. And um, so Robert and I were at, there's a great story. We were at this co conference speaking at the Javits Center in New York. It was actually one of the first times I met Trump. So this would have been obviously before he was president, um, but he was the headliner and Robert was second or whatever. And so it was fun. I got to go up on stage with those guys and I met Trump multiple times now since then. But I remember walking through the, 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 you know, the conference, there was all these beautiful girls with these high rise buildings in New York, you know, with these big, beautiful brochures, you know, yeah. like a brochure was like two to $5. Yeah. You know, and they were like, oh, check this out. It's this beautiful building on the corner or whatever and whatever. Right. And uh, so I, I just grabbed a bunch of stuff as I'm walking through and, um, you know, from really every single person, I walked into the green room in the back with, I'm sitting there with Robert and we're at a big round table. I just spread them out. I'll go check these things out, you know? And um, we both, I was like, you know, Robert, it's interesting. The bigger the brochure, the worse the deal. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, you're right. Like, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. The more of the sales job having to push that, that you have to push because mm -hmm. most deals, as you know, are right nap back of a napkin at sometimes just over a beer. Yep. Right. Yep. Like now I'm like, Hey, like I just did this billboard deal. You know, I'm like, Hey, blah, 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 blah. He's like in that's it. No brochure, no business plan. You know what I mean? Yep. It's that it's like, it goes, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like when you see something and you're educated around it and you can kind of see it, um, the raising of the capital is not that hard. It's hard when the deal's hard. So what would you say to the person that wants to invest passively? What should they look for? Does it kind of piggyback that same? It's the team. Yeah. Okay. It's a hundred percent the team. So, you know, I, I watch this now there's a lot of syndicators out there raising a lot of capital for a lot of things. And, um, you gotta, um, you gotta understand cap rates. You gotta understand how they buy. You gotta understand NOI. We had a good friend of ours, um, send me a deal 
and said, Hey, somebody wants me to raise money for them on this. And I said, Oh, take a look at the year, you know, year one uh, revenue. I go, um, you know, there it's much different than the rent roll. So you just ask them this question, you know, how, how do you go from a rent roll that's X to a year one revenue of Y, you know what I mean? And the deal was dead. So, you know, and so luckily we have that network, you and I were, you know, sending it around and, um, you, you know, and so deals get killed that way or they continue. Might have could have been the opposite. It's like, oh, my God, this is a great value add, you know, but it wasn't. And then the guy just got defensive and, you know, started trying to figure out a way to capture it. And this is a syndicator, you know, out of the Southeast area of the U.S. No big deal. I'm not judging him. I'm right. just saying that, you know, so luckily um, they came to me and asked me that question. I said, just make sure you ask these two or three questions. And then the deal died. And so that's it. You know, knowing what to ask, knowing what to look for. And if you don't, uh, finding the person that can help. So for the other, um, the last question, for the group of people that are not accredited investors, they don't have $100,000 to invest. You know, maybe they can save 100 bucks a week, 500 bucks a month. What should they invest in? Well, I... I'm a massive gold and silver guy. So I have a lot and, you know, gold's like 15, 20 bucks or whatever it is, you know, and, and the reason why I like that right now is because, you know, we have to figure out some way to pay for all the social security mm. and, you know, all this printing, you know, we're going to print the heck out of, you know, the U S is going to print a lot of money in the next 20 years yep. period. And so that means that the currency is going to get devalued and, you know, precious metals, uh, you know, but I don't really look at it as an investment as much as I do as a hedge, you know, like an insurance policy, sure. you know, cause it true investments actually make money for you. You know what I mean? So you got to kind of buy and sell it, but I think just paying attention to trends. Um, but also just education, man, you know, obviously at KenMacro.com, we got a ton of videos on this yeah. stuff, just YouTube and, you know, whatever you can devour, you know, it's for free, yeah. right? Buy books and, you know, ask questions and, and just educate yourself. Um, I was an idiot in my twenties, not really knowing what to look for and what to, you know, I just started reading, yeah. started reading and talking to people and sitting down with meetings like this, you know, but, you know, one-on-one over coffee or whatever, and just trying to learn. And I, I love that you said that, you know, investing in the education piece, because, you know, a lot of times we hear stock market, Wall Street, don't invest in a 401k. But I think sometimes we don't really know what to do with that. And so I think I think investing in your education is probably one of the most important things somebody can do. If they I still do. Yeah. I mean, I'm literally flying tomorrow. I'm paying for a conference for three, you know, three nights um, in Southern California just to learn about waterfalls inside of funds and raising capital at, at the Wall Street level. And, you know, there's never it never ends. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. You said this already, but what I love about you is that you can, you can hang out with the Blackstone guys at the conference tomorrow, but you're, you're always here to teach. And so where can our listeners um, get more information? You kind of mentioned it already, but where can we find you? Thanks. Um, well, you want to see our deals. It's MC companies, right? But you want to uh, get some of the videos and podcasts and, and all the things it's on KenMacroy.com. And, uh, you know, it's right here. And I think that that's a great place to start. There's a lot that's free. You can download forms for free. I have a forum that I answer questions. I actually jump onto twice a week. Nice. And so it gets, you know, filling up with questions and, and I go in and answer them for the people and people really like that. And, um, and we're just continuing to deliver really good videos for folks, um, so that they don't uh, make mistakes. 
Well, I really appreciate everything you do and, you know, just helping escalate the net worth of humanity. So any, uh, anything I didn't ask you that I should have? No, man, but Hey, you're a great father too. So I think uh, great minds think alike. So congrats on that. I Thank mean, you. M- meeting your kids at your house was awesome, you I know, and it. seeing the relationship you have with your wife and, and, and your friends and, you know, congratulations. Thanks, Kenny. Yeah. Appreciate it. That's so bad. Yeah. Thanks for your time. You bet. All right. You've been listening to the Investing for Freedom podcast with Mike Ayala. For show notes and links mentioned in this episode, go to investingforfreedom.co.